You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Welcome back to another week of movie talk from our homes uh, with screening in Kingston. Uh, Taylor, uh, COVID day number 648. Um, how are you feeling? Hanging in there. Yes. <laughs> well, one, good. <laughs> one day at a time, Mike. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad we have a guest for this depressing part of our opening show. Uh, we, we're welcoming uh, from the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. Jason Anderson is here. Jason, uh, thank you for joining us. Hi, very happy to be here. I'm glad you're here for our opening um, because we just like to <laughs> like to catch really up on how things are going. Put me on the spot there. Well, <laughs> what I asked you was how you were doing. I didn't know you were gonna. <laughs> like, I just it's, thought you'd be like, oh, fine. I'm happy we have a guest. Like that's that's a loaded. Me. It's a loaded question. COVID times, but when we have things like the Kingston Canadian Film Festival to look forward to, you know, life is perfect. Life is grand. Well, it's a good time, I have to say, Jason, to have this festival, because first of all, even if it wasn't COVID, I think probably uh, as a film fan, you know that January, February, and even early March is kind of a dumping ground for terrible movies. Um, so you kind of get to be the the shining light in, in otherwise no one can go see movies because it's not much great playing. So it's really good timing to have, have this festival. I think so. Like, I think it's, it's funny because it's had a traditional... You know, this, uh, especially when you're sort of just coming out of the winter to kind of have, you know, like a bit of oxygen, I think, for Canadian cinema, too. Like, I think mm. it's 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 well-timed. I mean, like, after the, I mean, after the, the kinds of Januaries and Februaries we've been experiencing lately, um, it's nice to kind of feel like, I think that the, the festival's always had the advantage of uh, kind of arriving or just kind of, a, right, as, as a bunch of amazing films are kind of coming into circulation, Um partially as uh, on the heels or as a result of the Canadian Screen Awards, which are also in March and kind of films are kind of uh, kind of coming out to, to get that bump. But mm-hmm. it really is a, a, a great time, I think, as, as we come, especially now as we are perhaps hopefully finally coming out of, you know, uh, uh, of some of this sort of uh, COVID uh, lockdown experience and uh, getting back into movie theaters. I know I've been thrilled to, uh, to enter movie theaters in the last week or so, mm-hmm. just to kind of uh, get get some of that back, and I think it's 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 a good time. Yeah, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like stepping into a movie theater. Um, we've missed it as well. It's interesting because our our podcast, which started in what I always get these dates wrong, Taylor. I think it was the fall of 2018 that we started. And like I was just checking my Instagram the other day for this. Oh, so okay. I'll be I... able to because <laughs> the first movie I reviewed was Mandy mm. and oh, yes. I posted the ticket on my Instagram as kind of like a teaser like hey I'm on a radio show now yeah. so uh, I wonder if I'll be able to find it as we're chatting but anyways well, what Mike's trying to say yeah. is we've spent more time in the pandemic than than out of it for this yeah. for this program yeah which is, which is really interesting to talk about movies from inside a pandemic it's been a very interesting feeling so it every was time september 2018 september 2018 there you go so every there time you. we get to, to do something with a festival 
and see things in a festival, it, it always brightens up my winter because it's yeah. just it's just such a slog to get through these months anyway. And it's been worse the past couple of years. So yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's definitely good timing. Um, so for you, um, you're, you're the director of programming. So the thing that I know our fans are going to want to know is what that means and how do you program a festival like this? Like we, we've had uh, the Real Out Film Festival on, on before. We've talked about film festivals, we've talked to other directors, and our fans love the behind the scenes. So can you give us just sort of an idea of what you do and what you kind of do to even put together a festival like this? Well, I, I mean, I mean, first of all, I just have to say like how grateful I am to the KCFF for kind of starting me on this path a long time ago because I was... I came to programming from being a writer and a critic for uh, for years. Um, I grew up in, Tur- in Calgary, I've been based out of Toronto, and I had lots of friends in Kingston. and um, And I just got really, uh, I was just really grateful because I got kind of got brought on by um, some of the original um, KCFF folks who uh, I was friends with, and and I had, you know, I hadn't really done so. Programming was 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 my kind of KCFF was my was my first uh, programming um, experience, and that's wow. been this amazing journey for me because I do uh, a lot for I do uh, short films for for TIFF. I do uh, and, and um, another festival in the U.S. and so it's kind of been a big part of my life, and it, I owe it all to the KCFF. So I actually am very very grateful too. <laughs> but yeah, like and it's 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 interesting because I kind of I think a lot of people I know or a lot of people I know in programming kind of come at it from from being critics um, or being people writing, just people like love film and kind of, and I think that it's kind of an outgrowth of, of kind of wanting to support work you care about and bring attention mm-hmm. to work you care about and just kind of like stick up for, for movies in a way that and advocate for movies that you, um, you know, just are, you know, are, are tough. And it's always been, you know, kind of hard for Canadian films, especially just because, you know, we are a, we are a movie going populace that is understandably dominated by a certain other country to the South. Right. <laughs> so yep. it's that we will not you know, name. We will not name. <laughs> no one needs to know what they are. Uh, but yeah. And it's, and, and, and that's the thing I think it's, but it's, but I think that like certainly festivals are like a place where uh, a lot of Canadians get to experience Canadian films and stories like about places, uh, people way closer to home. I mean, of course, I mean, one of the ironies is that we can see lots and lots and lots of Hollywood movies shot, mm-hmm. you know, in, yeah. in our centers of, uh, of Canada and uh, thinly disguised in many ways sometimes. But, you know, in terms of like actually being able to sort of bring, you know, Canadian filmmakers and Canadian stories to Canadians, I think festivals like the KCFF are, are, are hugely valuable and, and I think really appreciated by audiences too. So like in terms of what, you know, I do like I do in tandem with the uh, the, the team, the KCFF. We uh, we kind of scour the the waterfront. I'm not sure where that waterfront is. <laughs> Wherever there's a waterfront, we go. Wherever there. there's a waterfront, <laughs> and uh, and we just see as much as we can. And it's just really like it's it's just such always ends up being a sort of smattering of films that you know are maybe having mm-hmm. a little bit of circulation already. Things that may be like brand new. Um, things that are like you know kind of run the gamut from things that are, uh, you know, kind of bigger productions with, uh, you know, familiar stars and actors and, you know, directors that maybe you've had uh, other films at the festival before versus people who are like, you know, brand new and super exciting and, you know, have that, I guess, some like that new car smell about their films, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is. Whatever that is. And, <laughs> whatever it is. And it's it. And that's true. Cause it's certainly, I mean, it's been great actually, especially from my perspective as, as someone who's, 
you know, kind of celebrated a lot of short films to see um, filmmakers who are kind of coming to features and, and might seem, you know, kind of new to some audiences, but I've been, you know, kind of thrilled to be following for years and supporting for years and playing their shorts. And, you know, like yeah. this year's a bunch of those, like, I think, uh, Wildhood by Breton and Hannum is, is one great one that we're happy to have in our kind of, well, I'll get to the, we, we do have kind of both festivals in one this year, a, a, an in-person event and a virtual one. Yeah, so I, I saw that, which is it. excellent. I think that's I'm a great really decision, so by the way. <laughs> so happy. But yeah, yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. It was certainly some of those highlights, mm. like uh, Bootlegger by Carolyn Monet is another one that's playing digital, which is another amazing filmmaker who's done incredible films for in video art for years, but uh, now has a first feature. And, and another one of the most celebrated films of the last year, which we're happy to have in the digital part of the festival, which is Night Raiders by Janice Goulet, who mm. actually was my partner programming shorts at, at, at TIFF uh, for some oh, years, wow. too. So I'm cool. so thrilled that she's had like this in, like this film with an incredible impact. So we're, you know, and so today, yeah. And so, but yeah, so anyway, there's all these films that uh, we kind of look at and try to figure out kind of what is going to, you know, what's what's going to work for the festival and, and, and what's fresh for Kingston and, and just to really kind of provide you know, just like a bit of everything too. You want comedies, you want drama, you want mm -hmm. documentaries, you want uh, you know, want some genre films, you want films that aren't just made. I mean, literally, you could just make a festival that's like, you know, all films shot in the same like blocks of Toronto or Montreal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people don't need to have an entire like mile end festival, although it could be done. <laughs> so you want some well. you want some different views and different coasts sure. and all that. So. So all that kind of goes into the, to the sort of programming and and also just films that are going to kind of, you know, what are the kind of films of the moment? And what do you want to celebrate? And, you know, what are the small films that deserve, you know, a little more attention? And and what are the films that are already kind of making the mark? And you kind of want all that uh, all that balanced. And, and, and you know, and then this year, too, like we had films that, you know, we were really excited to have as the digital program and other films that they were that are like, you know, kind of like aren't playing digitally, but we could play in person. So we're really thrilled to have that means because, uh, you know, like a lot of films, uh, like a lot of film festivals, we had to pivot. It's all about mm -hmm. the pivot. The yeah. Past, the last pivot. couple of years would have just been a lot of pivoting. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of pivoting. Yeah. yeah. Two years ago, we had to cancel after the first night. We, we, you know, yes. we had an yes. opening night. We had... We had some films and then it all kind of went sideways. So we were like crushed. I can still remember that, like the, where I was and what I was doing, like that time frame of, of getting announcements. The, I remember seeing that the film festival had to cancel, like KCFF is canceling after day one. Like it was, it was heartbreaking. It must that's have been how, horrible. That's how I knew the pandemic was serious because it was before, I think if I'm remembering correctly and Jason, you'll you'll know this mm -hmm. for certain because you lived it. But I think you guys were preemptive with your canceling. The you know we hadn't gone into a lockdown yet, yeah. but I I think you guys put out a, a statement saying you know with the way the things are going, we're gonna be yeah. safe. And then I thought, oh gosh, this is the real deal. If a <laughs> film festival is saying no, so crazy. I'm trying to remember if we had to make that call. I mean, for me, like there was certainly like you know that that time they were certainly kind of you know, things that you never thought were happening, going to happen. And then they happen. And you're yeah. like, okay, all bets are off. Like yeah. I think, uh, certainly among, you know, among sort of big, big, big film festivals when South by Southwest and Texas canceled, it was like, oh boy. And then I'm trying to remember if we actually canceled before or after the NBA, because certainly when the NBA stops, it's. <laughs> oh, that are, was the moment. Oh yeah. When the, NBA, 
Oh, I yeah. When the NBA stopped, that was my moment, and I I think it was a bit. I think it was before you because I remember saying to someone, "This is it. This is now real. Like the NBA is stopping. That there's a problem. Like something's yes. gonna happen." Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you guys made the announcement shortly. Things after. got real, but it was yeah. it. It was heartbreaking and confusing, and I think that we took it. Definitely, it was. We were kind of we we're you know having like a, we had all kinds of great plans. And, but uh, but we, I think we actually ended up you know managing to play quite a few of those films like the following year in our digital mm. festival and we were thrilled by the response we had to the sort of digital festival that we were able to do in in 2021 and so yeah. I think we were all like super psyched up for 2022 because you know we kind of start the process and things were definitely opening up in the fall uh, and then and then Omicron sent everything sideways again but I think that we were really happy that we were able to sort of um, you know kind of ride out some of that uh some of that uh, some of those circumstances and yeah and, and look ahead and thankfully you know the the the, the, the surge ebbed and things are opening up a bit and we're we are really happy to be able to be doing i think eight features over uh the first few days of the festival and then yeah. continuing with the, the digital presentation yeah that's that's incredible and i again like i i think that it's it's so great to see that you're doing this combination of at the theater and streaming films from home like you can do that both like i think to me at least in terms of people's comfort levels in terms of not knowing where yeah. the world is like that was, that's just like not only a safe move but a really accessible one you can reach people by hey if you don't want to leave your home if you're not comfortable here are some excellent streaming options yeah. which people are i think used to streaming now a little bit more um than than they were before and that's a big deal like i think that certainly has been a lot of talk amongst film festivals about accessibility issues and, and who you're reaching and who you weren't able to reach before with festivals. So I think there's been a lot of consciousness raised in that regard. And I think going forward, there's definitely, I mean, people are very conscious of kind of, you know, the, the, what the digital formats kind of uh, what that what opportunities those create mm -hmm. at the same time, it's really, you know, I think talking to lots of filmmakers and who've been kind of slugging it out with movies in the, in the digital world. And it's, and it's hard on them because I think that kind of like, you know, you, like, uh, you know, people like musicians too, like all kinds of artists, you, you make work that you want to experience with people, you know, the right. people you make it for. And, uh, it's a very different thing when it's, when it's a digital only, um, versus, you know, kind of the opportunity to be with people and, and share and talk and, and just, and that's, that's something we're really excited and certainly to have kind of the, you know, many guests are able to come uh, to the festival this weekend too. And, and share and you know answer questions and just you know just to kind of be in in rooms full of warm bodies you yeah. know which is yeah which is well, no which is no small thing yeah <laughs> and it, it is important like that's it's certainly i think some of my favorite movie going experiences are experiencing it with other people so i i think that that is is important to to still try to maintain it and still try to keep that i mean knowing where the world is going we're probably going to get to a point where we can all have avatars doing a watch party. So we're digitally in the same space. Like that'll be the next thing. So it'll be some sort of hybrid. But I think you make a great point, uh, Jason. And I, and I love to see the fact that you kind of get both with this festival. You can, you can see some things in person. You get guests there. You get to experience with people. But then also you can experience some from home like sleeping warrior which is the film where we're gonna actually talk to uh the filmmaker the director um janet wells in in just a bit uh, uh about that film and and that again it, the fact that you can you can tell people hey stream it from home you don't even have to leave your home if, if you're uncomfortable and i think that that balance is good 
Um, Jason, we're going to get you out of, of here on this, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Oh, sure. Go um, for it. Just because I think this is good. I, I want you to give us a couple things in the festival that you're really looking forward to. We've already mentioned a couple of the of the films and the filmmakers, but give, give our audience kind of a tease. Like if they can only see a couple of things, what are some digital and, and also non-digital recommendations you might have for them? That is, a, you know, I, I definitely excited a couple of films that I'm, you know, because I haven't seen things on screens either. And certainly what I'm really excited to see is uh, amongst the, the ones who were able to screen um, in person is Drunken Birds. Um, which is uh, was from Quebec and has a really incredible team. The director is uh, Ivan uh, Gerbovich and um, also written and, or co-written and, and um, shot by, I think, my favorite cinematographer in Canada, Sarah Mashara, who's done such amazing work. So anyway, it's it's a, a kind of like I, I was I was describing it to someone. It's it's like mid period Villeneuve. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of, if you know that it's kind of definitely uh, i think um with some of the the production team involved with um uh um i'm not sure if there is producers but anyway it's very reminiscent of uh denny from those if you remember that one mm, really really yes. cool, um kind of just dealing with a sort of um really ambitious story with sort of uh, many storylines um kind of crossing you know kind of kind of really centered on a migrant workers at a, at a farm uh, near montreal um, just it's just really ambitious and gorgeous and kind of ranges from this very naturalistic style to sort of more magic realism. So, and that was also um, Canada's submission for uh, consideration at the Oscars for uh, best international feature. Didn't make the cut, but I can tell you, better than many of the films that did. Oh, <laughs> <So. laughs> the Oscars! Yeah. Uh, and amongst the, and certainly we have all these great first features in the, um, you know, in especially digital and some also playing in person like Scarborough, which has been a big favorite one. Um, I think one of the runners up prizes at TIFF for audience awards. It's just a really big hearted uh, sort of tribute to, you know, the kind of kids and families living in, uh, you know, kind of um, tougher circumstances in, in Scarborough as, as per the name of the film. Uh, that's from uh, Catherine Hernandez's amazing novel that she adapted herself. So that one's great. I'm uh, really excited about uh, Learn to Swim by Tyrone Tommy, which is this really cool movie set amongst this sort of um, kind of uh, jazz musicians, really. I mean, mm. yeah, there's, and so you have all this great music and it just, it kind of yeah. has this, it's as cool as you could hope for a movie about a bunch of jazz musicians. Uh, and uh, another one, Islands by uh, Martin Adralin, which is this really um, lovely kind of character study about a middle-aged Filipino-Canadian guy who's sort of finding kind of, you know, kind of, it's almost like a, imagine kind of like a coming of age story about a guy uh, in midlife. Maybe he's just mm. starting to kind of figure some things out that maybe he should have known <laughs> or understood a few decades before, but <laughs> at least he's getting there now. Sounds relatable. Though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and I think certainly, I mean, those are all exciting and, uh, mm -hmm. and other ones we have playing in person, uh, Piece by Chocolate, which is a Kind of a fictional, sort of thinly fictionalized story, uh, version of the story that I think Canadians have really been wrapped up or really uh, impacted by about a Syrian refugee family uh, kind of uh, restarting their chocolate business um, in, in Nova Scotia. Uh, Drink Water, which is a really fun one uh, done in, I think, Penticton, BC with Eric McCormack from Will and Grace. Uh, with, uh, I think he wears a very fetching uh, neck brace for much of the film. A, a neck brace that the character does not need <laughs> but you know <laughs> but you know sometimes you start an insurance scam and things get out of control and suddenly you have to wear a neck brace all the time you know how that mm. goes 
<laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that, that old ditty. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Thank, thank you for for that, Jason. Like a lot of great recommendations. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to to checking out, especially some of the digital features. I like to mix it up. I like to do when you know, especially if you you're offering it some some digital features. I'm always up for that. Um, it's the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, March third to the thirteenth. Go to kingcanfilmfest.com. You can get tickets there and see the whole lineup of movies. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to chat with you. Awesome. Thanks so much. And uh, we really appreciate the support. Absolutely. We're, we're really looking forward to it. Thanks, Jason. And joining us now, this is a real treat. And for our fans who we've been, Taylor, we've been promoing this for a while and we've kind of left it vague because I didn't actually know we would be getting some actual stars from the Kingston Canadian Film Festival here. Um, so this is really exciting. Um, we're welcoming to the show Janet Wells and Stephen Wells from the production of Sleeping Warrior, which is part of the digital features category of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. Janet and Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for nice having to be us. Here. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you're both here. Um, uh, Janet, uh, you are the director, uh, one of the co-directors of the film. Um, yep. And uh, Stephen, as we were talking um, pre-recording, um, you did so much on this on this production. You assisted the director. You assisted with shots here in Canada. You were assisting with some of the editing, assisting with sort of the crew. So um, thank you both for, for joining us. We, we're really looking forward uh, to this chat. Um, before we kind of dive into your film, um, our fans really like to hear kind of the behind the scenes of, of the individuals. So Janet, maybe we can start with you. Like, can you talk a little bit about your career in film so far and kind of what maybe what led you to the project Sleeping Warrior? Sure, but I um, before I talk about my film career, um, uh, pro I actually am a Queen's grad. Um, I was Commerce 90 and um, where actually I met my husband who's also uh, was a Commerce grad, but he was 89. And um, I worked in business. Um, I moved to London and worked in, in, um, in management consulting for years and then started my own company. But then after um, having kids, I moved into film and um, got my master's of uh, uh, screenwriting. And I worked in development at um, various companies. And then I worked at the James Bond company as a writer for a year and a half. And then I started my own production company. And um, I was working mostly around the UK, but uh, this opportunity came up from a lady I knew who was doing a lot of charity work in Kenya about the first uh, African lacrosse team or female lacrosse team and they were going to the world championships and knowing I made film she said do you think there's a story here and I said I I don't know I'll have to come down and see so I hopped on a plane and went to Kenya and we went to like uh, kind of the West Kenya, which is a bit more rural and um, humble. And um, we, uh, uh, we just started filming. And what I thought might be like a half hour short film, we ended up with about 120 hours of footage. I followed four girls on the most amazing journeys. Um, I mean, I could have created a, a whole mini series out of it, but, um, and we, um, and then we followed them um, the first time to Canada. Um, a lot of these girls had never left their village. So mm. it was pretty extraordinary following them to Canada. Um, and in Canada, uh, Stephen um, helped out with the um, uh, filming when I was there because we couldn't bring our crew from um, Africa and uh, the UK um, to Canada. So yeah, and it was it was pretty, it was a most, an emotional roller coaster and it was an extraordinary mm. experience. So that's kind of how I ended yeah. up there. Wow, no, that, that's incredible. Like that's that's such a, and especially the fact that you're, you're 
pretty much you're filming in one country, coming over to another, filming more and having to kind of uh, work through through both of that. That's that's incredible. Actually, there was um, three countries because it was part countries. UK. Well, part UK, a lot of Kenya and a lot of Canada. <laughs> so wow. We did, okay. we did a lot of the post in the UK, actually. That's wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That must have been. And and can, just I before I'm going out of order because I'm just very interested in this. When what's the timeline of this? Like, how was was COVID impacting this at all? Like how close no. to COVID? Okay. We were, we were so lucky. Um, actually, it's really interesting because we had the, because um, uh, it was 2019 and I only came on board um, a month before they went to the world championships. So mm. I didn't have a lot of time for the build up into it, which is a shame because I would have liked to have had more, you know, the selection process. But I think we I think we captured a lot of um, of, of the emotion and what happens. But um, uh, but then during the edit, that's when COVID happened. But it was a shame because the boys lacrosse team and that would be the first time uh, an under 19 male in Africa was going to go to a world championship. And it was supposed to be in Ireland the following summer. Um, 220 and they weren't able to go because of covid and they're hoping to go this summer two years later which um but you know the whole market has changed the world has changed so who mm-hmm. knows if they're going to get there but yeah, yeah yeah i mean you're definitely lucky that you were able to get things in before you know being too impacted by covid taylor and i have <laughs> chatted with so many filmmakers who have had to explain how they've you know started filming and then stopped and then had to go back and do things and it really like made the process tough so it's, it's good to hear a, a kind of success story that happened beforehand. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been in Kenya filming some other projects since then during COVID. And I mean, like mm. they changed lockdown. Like they'll just say all of a sudden curfew at right. 6 p.m. today. And it just completely messes with everything, as you're yeah. saying. And even like flying out, I've had to fly out on a on less than 12 hours notice because they were putting in a new restriction the next day. So, yeah, mm. it's, um, right. yeah. Yeah, tough. Absolutely. Um, so, Stephen, um, let's let's uh, let's hear kind of about your background a bit. I mean, as, aside from the fact that, of course, it's your mom working on the film. Um, but what what kind of led you to, to the project? Do you do film things um, otherwise as well? Uh, it's funny you ask that. So in my life, I've never really had a big film background, but I've always mm. uh, kind of watched my mom. Right. She's writes a lot of scripts. She's got me into a few script film competitions uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, and I don't know how old I was. Mom, you can maybe chip in here. Um, but she wrote a film called Social Suicide. Uh, yeah, like that was about 2016. Yeah. 2016. And, uh, and uh, I participated in that. And she got me to, to kind of be an extra in that. And it uh, sparked my interest a lot. So yeah. When the uh, when the opportunity came around to uh, help film um, this documentary, I kind of was intrigued and I and I kind of jumped right in and and anywhere uh, they needed me to help, I I tried and filled the spot as best I could. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean really important have, role. Yeah, <laughs> like, so. a real jack of all trades. It sounds like Stephen. I try. Stephen of all trades. <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> Steven, well, it's true. I mean, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Janet. I was going to. Stephen's got a very funny story about the Israeli. Okay, let me give a little bit of background. So while we were there, um, the Kenyan girls, you know, they were obviously didn't have a lot of money and they had didn't have um, the right shoes. And so the Israeli team, one of their competitors, did a fundraiser and raised all the money for their shoes. Um, and Stephen has a funny moment with the Israeli team. Stephen, will you pass that on? Yeah, I can. I can step in here. So. Uh, the coverage of the Israeli team, given the Kenyan team shoes got picked up by TSN 
and and because it got picked up by TSN, it became a big story back in Israel. Mm. And I can't remember the name of the uh, of the channel, but they wanted to cover the story of the Israeli team giving the Kenyan team shoes, but they didn't have anyone to film an interview. And so they knew that we were filming the documentary. It was pretty public knowledge within this uh, kind of competition. And so they approached my mom and they asked her, um, can you film this interview? It's going to be, it's going to be publicizing. It's going to be streamed to the whole of Israel. And my mom just kind of, I know she was very busy at the time. So she, uh, so she goes, sorry, I can't do it. I've got another thing. I think she had to get another shot, but I'm standing right beside her very innocently. And uh, she points to me, she goes, my son can do it. <laughs> and, 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 and my only previous experience was being a, an extra in a feature film and I'm suddenly thrown in the deep end here oh, wow. trying to film for the whole of Israel. So I don't even know. I don't even know where the on button is. And she, and she, and she, and she leaves me and I'm trying to act all professional. I got my tripod, one leg smaller than the other. It's not even, it's not even horizontal. And, uh, and like, and we find some quiet room and they start filming and I start filming. I think I'm doing a killer job. I'm not even asking the questions. I'm just, I'm just, I got the camera. And, uh, and then, and then I like press like stop and stuff. And he takes me out from McDonald's. He's all excited. I think this might've been his big break as well as mine. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I don't think the camera was recording. Oh no. <laughs> um, oh no. The whole time. So, but we only figured oh. that out after he had bought me McDonald's and left. So, <laughs> Thankfully, well, I, never had to, Steven, I never had to. You got a, you got a free yeah. meal out of it, right? So. Got, it was a, it was a nice one as well. He also he also uh, he's also telling me his wife doesn't doesn't like when he eats McDonald's. So I think I was doing him as much. I think I was doing him as much a favor as he was doing me. That's just, that is an incredible story. I mean, first of all, to, for you to be thrown into it, my son can do it, and you're just <laughs> what? <laughs> I, know. I was not I was not expecting those words to come out of her mouth, but uh, I did have an important. I had a I had an interview with the head of World Lacrosse. So that, I that, okay, so that was it was a legitimate reason. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So that, and and then for the camera to not be on, I mean, oh, that's yeah. got to be heartbreaking. I must have pressed the button a little too softly or pressed the wrong. button. Button. It could be yeah. either one. Oh, yeah. that's, it was that's very awkward. such a funny story. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet. That's hilarious. But see, now you'll know for next time to find the on button. And exactly. Sure on. exactly. <laughs> Double check that. Learn learn from your mistakes. Next time um, I uh, next time I film uh, for the whole of Israel, I'll, I'll get it that time. Yeah, next time you're in that exact same next, situation, next you'll, be yeah. you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Taylor, you had a question. Oh, I was just curious. Um, Stephen, you don't have a film background, but you're in school right now, right? Our listeners am, always yes. like to know about uh, the schooling that uh, filmmakers uh, have done. And you you seem to be becoming a filmmaker, but you're not doing film school. Is that right? Uh, no, I'm not. So I actually grew up in England, in the UK, right. London, uh, with my mom. And I went to school in England and I did my GCSEs and my A-levels. I was taking, I think, my A-levels throughout this process. Um, and I applied to Queen's University, uh, here in Canada, I know, and, uh, for commerce and I happened to get in, um, which was a very exciting, um, thing for all of us because my mom, as she said, and my dad and my sister are all in the program. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm at Queens Commerce right now in second year, and I'm loving it. It's a great time. No, uh, no film courses taken yet, but that might be on future cards. There's we'll time. See. There's time. There's lots of time. Still yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I mean, you cl- it's clearly in the family, and the fact that you're a big big Queens family too. That's really yeah. that's really awesome yeah, to hear. It is nice, and we we love to to see you know families working on films together. Like that's that's kind of a great thing. I mean, I, for you, Janet, I mean, that must be that must be great to have like your son around working on, on a film. Yeah, my my daughter was involved too, and it was really nice because, um, to be honest, the the. The because um, it's the stemmed from charity work in Kenya that my my producing partner did, and so it was um, it was really a um, like I the the girls their their accommodation fell through at the last minute before coming to Canada, so we actually had to billet them at um, our cottage and other people's cottage because we have a place that was near Peterborough where the World Championships were happening, and then we had to raise money, and then I had my son and my daughter, and it was like there seemed to be a very big crossover between um, my community in Canada and the making of this film just for the Canadian Canadian portions and I I don't know how he would have done it I mean I always I I joke that the one good thing because as a documentary maker you're supposed to be a fly on the wall and not know what's going on but given that it was um I was kind of helping with their accommodation I kind of knew where they were at every second and they couldn't kind of like sneak away from the documentary (laughs) filmmakers so it was um it was great so it was was my son it was my daughter and it was a lot of my friends as well got Mm -hmm. involved in that in that portion of the um of the film I mean behind the scenes obviously but it was um it was nice but the unfortunate thing was these girls not one of them knew how to swim um Mm. and were on a lake on an island and Ah. up north and uh oh my gosh they kept wanting to take selfies by the water (laughs) (laughs) nerve-wracking that is extremely nerve-wracking i mean very good scene i'm sure right like that's great background for (laughs) for a selfie yeah oh i'm not sure if you've seen the film but um there's a lot of scenes on water and we had them on uh, life jackets but i guess selfies are better without life jackets so they of course kept taking them off (laughs) yeah who wants a life jacket yeah (laughs) um so but before before we let you two go i i just want to give our fans a little bit of of a preview without any spoilers um janet you've done a great job of kind of giving us an idea of of what the film's about but give us give us something that you think audiences are going to take away from this without spoiling too much of what's in there what are audiences going to really take away um with seeing sleeping warrior well, I think um, this is, I mean, obviously I would say this, but I think it's a really special film because, um, I mean, it's not a traditional sports documentary. I mean, it hits the beats of a sports documentary as right. far as, you know, following a team. Um, but for, like, I guess a couple of things. One is one, these girls are just extraordinary. And I um, I hadn't spent any time in Africa before filming this. And you get some preconceived ideas, but these um, young women, I mean, even though they're very, very humble with, with not a lot, um, you know, if they hadn't had lacrosse, most of them would have been married or dropped out of school because um, lacrosse helped them make that happen. But they're just extraordinary young women, um, number one. And number two is while we were filming the documentary, we um, one of the young women that we were following um, who was given away at the age of seven um, to be a maid in a home was treated very poorly by this family, a really sad, sad um, situation, but never lost her spirit. And um, and then we found out because her mother had um, had AIDS and died in prison, we had, or she had been told, but during the filming of this, we found out that maybe her mother was alive. 
So during the course of this film, we, we follow the journey of these young women on their way to Canada to leave home for the first time, have this amazing experience. But we also have the human story of a young woman named Sharon trying to find um, if her mother is alive. And um, we have some interesting little twists and turns in that story. And um, it's really a, a story about trying to find your family and, and the power of sport and how it can transform one's life. So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such, it. I mean, it, first of all, I have to say it's it. The way you're describing it is just like sell me a ticket right now. Like it sounds like <laughs> such a fantastic story. And like I, I have to say from my perspective, I'm a huge sports fan. So to hear someone say like this is the power that sports has is like really. Mike, I was really gonna awesome say to I was gonna jump in. I said I was thinking, wow, could there be a more Mike documentary? <laughs> no, there couldn't be. Uh, and I will, I will, and I will be there digitally on Friday, March fourth. 6.30 p.m. <laughs> when when um, people can, can check out Sleeping Warrior. Um, and actually, can I just add, um, our yeah, cinematographer was a Kenyan gentleman that actually, to be honest, I just cold called cinematographers in Kenya. Again, I mean, I did this kind of on the hoof. And uh, he is beautiful. And he won a European Cinematography Award for our film. And um, I mean, we've won, I think about, well, we've been in about 15 festivals, 16 festivals, but we've won about 10 awards around the world. So wow. it is it is beautiful to look at, too. So um, Great. I hope you think so. Except for uh, Stephen's part <laughs> for the Israeli TV station. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, you know, the power button it can be tricky, right? Like, exactly. It's, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. Um, so, yeah, it's so the, the movie is Sleeping Warrior. It's part of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. You can catch it Friday, March 4th. 6 30 p.m it is available until march 13th with the festival it is um you can get tickets online kingcamfilmfest.com and stream it right from home which is really excellent to see i'm glad the kingston canadian film festival are offering a lot of both options where people can see it in the theaters or stream from home um so definitely check out sleeping warrior janet and steven thank you so much for joining us uh, it was really a pleasure to talk to both of you if you're ever doing anything film wise in kingston again you are welcome on the show anytime no, oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Two fantastic interviews back to back. I don't think we've done that before, Taylor, where we've done two two different interviews spliced together. No, we're really testing your editing skills tonight, Mike. Yes, we are testing. <laughs> and as the fans will know from listening to our episodes all the time and this one, uh, it's just, you know, mediocre to okay. Testing uh, so your, we'll your editing, your sanity. My sanity, yeah, everything with that. Uh, but it no, was great. Like, yeah, what what happy. awesome conversation. I love talking to filmmakers. Uh, the of conversation with, with Jason was excellent. The Kingston Canadian Film Festival, it's coming up March 3rd to the 13th. So just a reminder, go get your tickets, kingcamfilmfest.com. A real, a real gem. Yeah, it's a, it's a great festival, and we're glad to, to cover it this year and, and be able to talk to some filmmakers. Um, Taylor, let's switch gears. Yeah, and we'll uh, get into the Oscar frame of mind. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Actually, actually, you know what, Taylor? Beforehand, I didn't get a chance because we wanted to give Jason the interview. I, I want to I respond more formally to me putting you on the spot there, as you said. <laughs> now, listen, Taylor, we have been doing this show once a week occasionally twice a week and occasionally we take times off so let's just call it once a week for like what three four years now yeah i always throw to you after an opening <laughs> say hey taylor how are you like always and this is pretty nice i want to put a fan poll out right now and i want the fans to respond next week with your fan questions and we're sorry that we didn't get the fan questions this week 
We'll do them next week just because we had so many guests. We didn't want to. But next week, I want to hear from everyone. Did Taylor put me on the spot by claiming I put Taylor on the spot? Who is correct in that? I want to know. Send, send in your fan picks. Mike versus Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Who, ding, who ding, wins ding. that one? I couldn't believe the audacity when I went, oh, you know, Taylor, how are you doing? Oh, it's terrible. And then, and then I, I did like, not oh, well, say Taylor, it was whatever. terrible. Whatever. The, the point is, the point is, is, I just was expecting anything. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, great. And then anything you put me on the spot. Anything but authenticity, apparently. Yeah, yeah anything. Exactly. I wanted, I wanted fake, Taylor. I wanted fake. Uh, but yeah, of course, we can, you know, authenticity is what we go for here. That's why we exactly. don't edit. Right? That's why the listeners love it. Yes, they love our authenticity. But yes, you're right, Taylor. Let's shift gears. Let's talk some Oscar movies um, because we, we've been catching up on our Oscar films. Um, we've, we've got quite a few we want to get to. Uh, we we both watched House of Gucci this week. Yeah. Um, the, the big Oscar snub. We finally got to that. And I watched and, Being the Ricardos. And Mike, we're going to so. weigh in on whether or not it actually was a snub. Yes, of course. We have to. We have to. People <laughs> the age old question. Was it snubbed? Was it the snub? Um, so why don't we start there? I mean, why don't you kick yeah. things off? Um, I, I know your thoughts on the film, and now I want you to tell everyone else what you thought of House of Gucci. We were killing some time, and so I gave Mike a sneak peek. I've already got the review. I don't even have to listen. <laughs> I'm going to weigh in and say this was not a snub. It is not an Oscar-worthy movie whatever you define Oscar-worthy as. Mm. Take that, um, Tyler Vance. <laughs> it wasn't... I I went in thinking it was going to be so bad it's good. You know how sometimes, like, you know, oh, that yeah. movie's kind of corny, makes you laugh. Sure. Yeah. I thought this movie was quite long, quite boring, poorly written, not well-acted. Some, some actors, like we... Uh, Mike and I were chatting. Um, yeah, Adam like Driver, I would, I would say Adam Driver was good. He's I great. He was very, I think. Good. I think Lady Gaga held her own. Whether or yes, not she's, I agree. Uh, I, I'm still like for me, the jury's out on whether or not she's like mm-hmm. an amazing actress. But I think she held her own. She did. Yeah, fine. yeah. And like I would had, argue the pair was good. Like that their yeah. chemistry was good, and the two of them were good together. Like I think that that worked. And then you had Jared Leto doing whatever Jared Leto was what doing. Was, okay, what was Jared Leto doing? Like, we can we just, okay. This is, I said this to you before, and I'll say it on air. To me, it seemed like he was doing an impression of, like, the Super Mario Brothers. Like, that's it, what it seemed like. It seemed so out of the left field as to what everyone else was doing. Mike, it was borderline offensive. Let's put it like, yes, it was borderline. <laughs> thank you. It was, it was Jared Leto is a borderline offensive person yeah. to begin with. Like, I don't even want to get into the, the many, many issues and things there. But, like, I just, uh, to me, Adam Driver and, and Lady Gaga are, like, trying to do this, like, dramatic, heavy. Straight like, drama. Straight drama. <laughs> And then he comes on and is just like, woo! Like, it's just I'm Italian. Here. Yeah. Like that's... Look at me. I'm Italian. And then, like, that's... And it's like, that's a... Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was like, weird. What it are was you a, doing? It was a weird take. Um, I don't understand what he was doing. I, I, you know, Mike, I think, A, I didn't realize... I didn't know a lot about the the Gucci family. And so I didn't realize that the movie was going to be 
more than just about Lady Gaga and Adam Driver's character's relationship. Right. You didn't so, know it was going to be like more of the family. Trauma. Yes. So, right, right. and I was kind of like, who cares? Like, what? Like, especially because Adam or um, Jared Leto like played a relatively big character and he was doing that weird thing. So mm-hmm. personally, I think this movie is two hours and 40 minutes. So quite a long haul. I think this movie would have benefited from being broken up into maybe three 40 to 50 minute episodes, three 40 to 50 minute episodes. So make it a mini series. And right. I really think that Ryan Murphy should have done this as like a true American true crime. Yeah. And we were talking about that a little bit before as well, that, that, I, I'm, totally. I am a little confused why they wouldn't have, because it, it seems like it would fit in the vibe of, of the shows they're picking. And like, you know, they, they did the assassination of Johnny Versace. Maybe they felt like it was too like similar, similar. but like that, to, to me, like it would have benefited from more time to spend with each of the different characters and really see things develop. I agree. Unpack things. Like I felt like the last act of the movie was really rushed compared to the rest of the movie yeah oh i agree with that too and that was like the interesting thing you know the the climax of the movie is what we tuned in for and it felt really rushed so to me this might be controversial to me this is a skip it you know yeah i'm finding a hard time rating it because i think i liked it a little bit better than you did but the acting bothered me, especially from Jared Leto. And I do think it could have benefited from, from more time being spent. I um, see. I'm not going to give it a skip it, but I think I'm going to give it an airplane. It. I was just, just going to, if you just need to see the movie, cause you're just like, Oh, what, what is all this about? Yeah. It would probably be a fine airplane. movie. Mike, while you were talking, I thought, Oh, maybe it is an airplane. It except an airplane movie mm-hmm. shouldn't be boring. Well, you're already trying to kill time on the airplane, getting to wherever you're going. But it's a borderline airplane for me. I'm going to still remain firm because you've been coming down really hard on me about my wishy-washy uh, <laughs> uh, ratings. So yes. I'm going to stand firm and say this is a skip it, though I understand and agree with your airplane it okay yeah i'm gonna give it an airplane it <laughs> yeah you stick with your skip it I, I just i feel like to me it was slightly more entertaining than than a skip it i just had a lot of issues with it um it's not a movie i would watch again but i wasn't like it's not like i was ever bored during the movie i just was confused as to one what was going on sometimes and what movie some people thought that they were in so yes, I I, Mike, I agree I, it was off all over the place. That to me was a big problem too. There were times where I didn't understand the intrigue yeah. because this is like a family drama and they're like undercutting each other and it's mm-hmm. a business. Um, I had to read the Wikipedia page as I was watching the movie <laughs> of like the real family. You know what I mean? Just to kind of like stay on top of what was happening. And you know what makes it worse? They deviated wildly from the true events. Right, right. Well, so yeah, I, I shouldn't mean, say wildly, but they definitely changed the timeline, um, you know, uh, minimized characters, whatever. I yeah. should say that this movie does have controversy attached to it. It does. So Ridley Scott 
did not approach the family and the family had nothing to do with the production of the movie. And well, they, consider considering who this family is, I'm not too surprised by that. But anyways, that's some of the controversy surrounding it was that, mm. um, you know, the family was not consulted and they feel like they were not um, well represented. There might have yeah. been additional because when I saw one headline that was like Ridley Scott's controversial film. So then I was trying to read what like what exactly was the controversy. And I think even Katie Wilson might have written in asking us about the controversy around mm. this movie once. But I um, do remember someone doing right? that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I could tell, the biggest controversy was that the family like reached out to him and he like willfully was like, nope, don't want anything oh, to do with you. I didn't know that. Um, oh. Lady Gaga got a lot of flack for not reaching out to the woman she portrayed, P- Patricia. And Isn't she, she was in like, jail? She was released. She oh, served her time. But gosh. um Lady Gaga said the production team wouldn't let her talk to Patricia. Mm. So I don't know if that's the only controversy. If someone has seen the movie and has read up on it, write in, let us know. But um it does call into question. Oh, you know what I'm remembering now, Mike? Um Katie Wilson wrote in about that movie you saw about the guy who went to France to free his daughter from jail. Oh yes, uh, that controversial. Yes. Still, film. still water. Right. Uh, still that, water. Yes. That film was also controversial because of portraying real people. I guess it's like same problem. It's difficult when you're portraying real people. Like I think it is, and that's an interesting theme because this, like the film, I'll talk about just. But before the end also of the show, it's being about real also about real people, and <laughs> a lot of the controversies are on the same thing, right? Like I think people have in mind, they know what these people look like, they know how they sound, and they want somewhat of an accurate Faithful. portrayal, which makes sense. Like I, that does make sense. Like I understand. I guess just with the House of Gucci, and I've thought of it because if they're all criminals, why would you want them to be involved anyway? Like I think that maybe that was people's. Maybe they thought it would be too controversial to involve them in the film, and, and they were like, trying to avoid controversy. I don't know, but. It's like more, I don't know, because Patricia and I forget the name of her husband in the movie, but they had two daughters who are still alive, Mm. like fairly young because they would have been born in the 80s, like not much older than you and I, Mike. So yeah, they would be our ages. It's not just about criminals. You know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. your mom is still alive. She did this horrible thing, but now the world is making a movie about it. So like there are it is an ethical question. Like, are we celebrating this family who has done bad things? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to, we don't have time today to get into the ethics. No, we actually don't. (laughs) But uh, it it, it does open a can of worms when you are a portraying people that were real B those people are still alive and C how do you handle um, if they've committed a crime, like they're criminals and they did some pretty bad things like it wasn't right so anyways we'll save that for another day but yeah we'll save it for another day but there you go that (laughs) yeah that's how saguchi for you um and so yeah the other film that i saw was being the ricardos that is nominated for for several oscars um including some acting performances and this is the uh this is a story of uh now i'm name um lucy uh, lucille ball thank you uh from i love lucy so it's kind of the story of of like the show had already been on the air and is a success and it's kind of like a 
a 24, 48-hour period, but also with a bunch of time jumping of, of kind of days in the life and, and kind of the downfall of her marriage. Um, and it's a very, you know, it is a very interesting story, but it, I will say it's a very, very Hollywood story. So it makes sense that it got a lot of attention and nomination um, because Hollywood loves movies about itself. And it, it, I, I will say, the, to me, the most fascinating part of this movie was the behind the scenes of how they made TV back then. Um, the discussions with executives, the table reading. The golden age the, of television. The, yeah. And, and I didn't know. I don't know how accurate this is, but I didn't know and what the film said was that. So um, um, Ricky uh, Ricardo. Um, no, he played Ricky Ricardo. I can't remember Desi. Um, Desi. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he actually created the camera system that allowed a live studio audience to still be able to see the action as well as them get the shots that they need. I thought that was very interesting. Um, and I didn't, uh, I didn't know that. Um, I knew he was heavily involved. Like I know that that production company that Lucille Ball had, I know he was heavily involved and I knew he was a musician, but I just didn't know, um, that there was kind of this extra layer of him creating this camera system, which was kind of cool. Um, anyway, point is it was an interesting movie. I will say, um, I, it did keep my interest. I, I do see some of the criticisms that people, uh, give it like some of the some of the dialogue is a little heavy-handed and it's a little on the nose and it is a little Aaron Sorkin really loving um the things that he writes um but I will say it was way more entertaining than House of Gucci was and I thought it was way more interesting um to what they were talking about and what they were doing um sorry I, I don't know if you hear that my cat got a hold of a pen um so now Maisie, the world is right? just uh, Marcy, Marcy. Um, it, that close. Um, but so now, now everything is just gone, gone to, to, to you know, what in a, in a handbasket. Um, but anyway, so it was, it was a very good movie um, for, for those things. Like it was interesting. It was background uh, information of if you are interested in, in how they made TV shows. And I certainly am. That stuff was like, I always like, just go back to making the, the TV show. And I, I want to see how you made I Love Lucy. Like, that was really, really cool to see. Um, I thought the movie was really weird, though, otherwise. Like, it was edited together very strangely. And there were time jumps all over the place. And it was a little hard to keep track of. Like, where are we and what are we doing here in this time? Like, there was a little bit of playing with time that I don't think was done super effectively. Um, but I'm, I'm actually going to give it a stream it just because I do think it was interesting enough. There had some cool things to it. The acting was very good. Like you can say what you want about whether or not they look like the people and the, the writing acting was, and the writing and stuff. The acting was phenomenal in this movie. Like I understand completely why they they're nominated for Oscars. Like the acting was very, very good. I don't, I don't personally think Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman looks that unlike Lucille Ball. Like, not enough for everyone to be up in arms about it. Like, no, I don't well, think they look that like, similar, but I don't think she looks that different. Did you see the headlines that both her and, oh, what's his name? Bar- Bardem? The Javier? Uh, oh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. How both of them were like, we never should have taken the roles. What was that all about? Oh, I think it was because people thought they didn't look like them. Right. At all they were just not happy way. with Which, the like, trails. I apparently um, Kate Blanchett was supposed to play Lucille Ball, but then dropped out for some reason, like scheduling conflicts or something. I think happened. she looks and less so, 
She looks less yeah, than... like <laughs> I the one I had lots of problems with this movie, and it had nothing to do with the way either of them looked. So I don't know. I I don't think she looks unlike. Lucille Ball. Like the difference to me is like, no, I wouldn't say, oh, that's that's a spitting image of Lucille Ball. No, but I wouldn't look at her and be like, that looks nothing like her. I think that's right. too far. I think it's and if they did if they gave great performances, like do you in your opinion, do they deserve their nominations? They're also yes, nominated. I I think so. I would nom I don't think either of them will win, but I would nominate them from what I've seen so far. Um, and you know, I was letting you know, Taylor, I've caught up on some other movies that you've reviewed that I'm not going to review on the show because we've already talked about them, but so far from the movies I've seen, yeah, I have no problem with those nominations and I do think they deserve them. So anyway, easy, I'm giving like, it a stream. So, you know, and easy watch to from stream. it's an Amazon movie. Stream. It's an Amazon movie. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to rent it. It's on Amazon. It's easy to stream. I'm giving it a stream. It not the best movie in the world. Don't run out to see it. But it, it is a fun, if you're looking for a good movie for a movie night, it is a fun movie. Um, lots of cool things in it. Um, just before we end the show today, I just want to send out a quick reminder that uh, if you want to take part in our movie club to make sure that you're reading Death on a Nile and that you go see Death on a Nile, because in about two weeks, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about the book and the movie and compare them. So that's two weeks from now, not next week's episode, but the week after Katie is coming back. And we're going to talk about that. So I want to make sure to remind you to to go see the movie and read the book. I've been reading the book. Taylor, I know you've started reading it as well. Great. Um, That's my yeah. initial review so far. It's the a good book read. is great. <laughs> I'm enjoying the book. I'm enjoying the, the book too. Yet. Haven't seen the movie yet. But. Yeah, I'm enjoying the book too. But yeah. go to screeningincasedon.com. You can fill out the form there. Or you can just wait until, you know, a couple days before the show. Send in your thoughts. You don't have to pre-register for our movie club or anything, but just um, make sure that you get the info in there. And two weeks from now, we will be talking uh, about Death on a Nile. Um, thank you, everyone, so much. Um, do check out the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. It is coming up March 3rd to the 13th. Thank you again to Janet and Stephen and Jason for, for three really, really fantastic conversations around film. Um, so go check out and support Canadian film at the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, and we'll see you next week. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences, and the CFRC Podcast Network.